Welcome to the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast, where we invite you into a journey of healing and personal transformation that will radically change your divorce experience, heal your heart while refining your character, and set you up to be effective and feel empowered as you navigate the practical and emotional challenges of divorce. I'm your host, Karen McMahon founder of Journey Beyond Divorce. My divorce brought me to my knees and it also transformed me and set me on this path to help you. So I have this saying that like we all do the best that we can at the level of our nervous system. And if we're stuck in a survival protective state of dysregulation, it's very, very difficult. all of our fuel, all of our activation is going to the parts of our brain that are geared toward protecting us and keeping us alive because social threat is as real a threat as a physical threat in terms of how our body and our nervous system respond to it. So if we've had a lot of a lot of neglect in our childhood or abandonment or we didn't have an environment where it was safe to express your emotions and you couldn't you didn't learn how to regulate your emotions or the processes that the body naturally uses to regulate emotions like crying or movement were, you know, punished or uh, ignored. Your brain becomes very hypervigilant to, to finding that threat in life moving forward. One of the unique facets of high-conflict divorce is trauma, which many couples experience first as children in dysfunctional families and then again throughout their adult relationships. These marriages often ricochet between hostile behavior and tense reactivity, causing further disorder to the entire family. The Divorce Trauma Recovery Series explores the impact of mental illness, addiction, and trauma on individuals and examines some of the many modalities available to support deep healing. Welcome back to another episode of Divorce Trauma Recovery. Uh, I am here with Elizabeth Kristoff today, and we're discussing neurosomatic drills, a fast and effective approach to regulating your nervous system. Now, six months ago, I had never heard of this concept of neurosomatic drills. Um, And so I'm so excited to uh, introduce the concept and Elizabeth to you. When, When living with and divorcing a dysfunctional high-conflict personality. Um, Life is fraught with triggering experiences and reactive engagements. And this dynamic didn't begin with your marriage. It began earlier in life with trauma that actually set you up to be in a high-conflict relationship. And so how do you regulate your nervous system so that you can be more effective and confident entering and negotiating throughout your divorce and post-divorce life. 
I have experienced a little bit and I'm fascinated with the work of Elizabeth and her brain-based wellness program that trains you in these things called drills that immediately, and I mean immediately, cut through your fight, flight, freeze response and put you back in your thinking brain. if you have ever deeply wanted to heal and see the benefits of doing trauma work, today's conversation is for you. But before we jump in, uh, let me introduce my guest. Elizabeth Kristoff is an expert in nervous system health for trauma resolution and behavior change. She's the founder of Brain-Based Wellness, an online platform that trains the nervous system and body to resolve old patterns, improve performance, and increase well-being. She's co-host of Trauma Rewired, add it to your list, uh, which is a podcast, and That podcast explores how trauma lives in the body and what you can do to heal. Yes, heal. Elizabeth is also the founder of Neurosomatic Intelligence Certification, which is an ICF accredited course that teaches leading edge somatic coaching that creates client transformation from body to the brain. So with no further ado, welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be on the show and it's really exciting. This is a topic that I really, really love to talk about and explore with people because I think relational health and nervous system health are um, inextricably linked. I think that it is when we talk about trauma, it has everything to do with healing relational patterns and that impacts our health and our life experience. And I just am very excited for this conversation. Yeah, me too. And, uh, you know, as I said, my audience is probably this like ideal group of individuals um, for you to work with. And I know there are many others. And in today's society, there's just so much trauma going on on a regular basis. So let's dive in and just talk about what 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 does even neurosomatic mean? Like help us start off uh, with the basics here. Yeah. So neurosomatic is really referring to Uh, starting to learn and understand how your nervous system works. So we're looking at how your brain functions. Your brain is a part of your nervous system. We're looking mostly at the reflexive parts of your brain, your brain stem, but also, you know, your emotional brain, your limbic center and your higher order thinking systems, and then the rest of your nervous system and your body work together as this really divine intelligent system that is geared toward your survival. And when we learn how that operating system works, we have a lot of agency in creating change, change in our internal state, change in our behavior, because we're really learning to speak the language of the nervous system. And by that, I mean, speaking to the nervous system directly through sensory inputs, through, um, neurological inputs that you can use to start to drive change in your own nervous system to repattern your responses to anything, your responses to relationship, your responses to growing your business, your response to intimacy and pleasure and 
to resting and relaxing, you can start to use intentional stimulus to create change in how your body and your automatic parts of your nervous system respond to these things, which then changes your experience and how you move through the world. Yeah. So, so that, that statement there is so jam packed right there. And so let's, let's kind of take that apart a little bit. So I know that when I was in my marriage and in my divorce, um, things would happen and I would have all types of reactions. I would go from zero to a hundred in a hot second. Um, there would be yelling. Um, there might be a knot in my stomach. I might feel you know, whatever my tension goes to my neck or my hands get clammy. So I think when you're talking about understanding the nervous system and how it operates, right, the operating system, can you talk a little bit about how is everything connected and and what happens to us? If you could explain to our listeners what happens to them, I think okay. that's a great place to begin. I'm going to try to break it down as clearly as I can. In a big, overly simplified nutshell, we're looking at three parts of the nervous system. We're looking at how inputs come in. We're looking at how our brain interprets those inputs and then the output that your nervous system and your brain generate as a response to those inputs. And so our brains are predictive and they also, they function on pattern recognition and they're always taking in all this data from the environment around you. Um, information that comes in through your eyes, information that comes in through the balance system in your inner ear, information that comes in from your body mapping system, from the system inside of you that tells your brain, your interceptive system, what's going on inside of my body, what's happening with my temperature and my organs. And all of that information is coming in all of the time. And then our brain takes in that information and in interprets it based on filters and lenses that we have that are based on our past experience. And it makes a decision about what information is relevant to make it to your conscious mind and what kind of response to do with your survival as the primary focus of that response. So for the example that you talked about in relationship, right, we have these attachment schema that are built into our brain and our nervous system. It's really the summation of thousands of experiences, starting all the way back with our primary caregivers that become these subconscious reflexive predictions of the behavior of others. And when we're in relationship now, we're, you know, full grown adults, but we, we take in this information about other people's facial expressions, the tone of their voice, um, their respiration, their body language, their posture. And, and then we run it through that filter, that schema of our past and use it to predict, am I safe or am I unsafe? And that also includes, am I loved and will I be loved? Am I socially safe? And then our nervous system drives an output and that could be a really activated output moving into one of our fight, flight, freeze responses could be a protective output, or it could be one where we feel safe, where we feel like we're able to be connected, where we can regulate our emotions, where we can use our voice and express ourselves. And so when we're training neurosomatically, we're training the different input systems to give better quality information to your brain. And then we're working with areas of the brain to change the way that we interpret that information 
and move from a protective output from a protective body posture, reaction inside the body, way of being into more of a um, safe, regulated performance way of being where we can connect with others, we can feel safe in our own body, we can um, have a greater sense of autonomy and safety as we move through the world. So can you now take that answer and give us a very simple example? Because I think that sounded very scientific to a lot of people. So give give us a for instance. For instance, and I'll get really personal with this here. So I'm someone, I'm a kiddo with a high A score. I've got a lot of childhood trauma shaping my nervous system in the background. Um, And and I want to have meaningful relationship in my life. Baseline, I'm someone who's primed for protection rather than connection. That's just kind of the way it is. And I've done a lot of training with my nervous system to create safety inside of myself, but it's still something that I have to work with regularly so that relationships can be safe for me, especially intimate relationships. So one of the big triggers for me is when I feel like someone's not present with me and my reaction to that will be very disproportionate to what's actually happening. So for instance, say I'm sitting on the couch with my partner and I'm talking to him about my day and he picks up his phone and he starts scrolling and just kind of reflexively, right? Not that big a deal. We all do it. You know, it's no big deal, but inside my body, it feels life threatening. My heart starts boom, 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 pounding. My vocal cords get tight. I can feel my body round forward. My mouth dries out. And I start having these racing thoughts of, I got to get out of this relationship. I got to get out of here. I got to leave the house. I have to, I move into my flight response, my avoidant attachment style, where I feel like I'm no longer safe and I have to run to protect myself. So I'm feeling it physiologically and my thoughts also start to match with that. Because I have this understanding of myself, I can look at that with altitude and I can say, okay, you know, this is a reflexive reaction that's based on my unique neuro matrix from my past experience. And I can do some drills. I can do some things to help myself regulate Um, I can excuse myself and go to the bathroom. I can go for a quick walk. I can give my nervous system some intentional stimulus that it likes to calm me down and to process the stress. And then I can come back and say to my partner, Hey, I am talking to you. It really, it means something to me, um, that we stay connected. Like, you know, what about if, you know, you, we finish our conversation and then you can get back to your work, but I'm not, it's not coming from that emotionally reactive place. And I haven't run away and left the relationship or, um, really stayed activated inside myself in a way that I can't come down from. You know, what I love about that story, Elizabeth, is we coach our clients so often about um, reactive versus responsive. And you just beautifully described uh, reactive versus responsive. And yet sometimes all of the coaching in the world, and no matter how crystal clear and no matter how hard the client works, there's this... I I get it. I intellectually, I get it. I keep trying, Um, but somehow I keep getting hijacked. Yeah. So much of this happens at a subconscious level. It's, you know, it bypasses our 
our thinking mind, our cerebral cortex, our higher order thinking systems. And it takes that information. And our amygdala is the part of our brain that decides, like our threat detector, our alarm system inside. That information will make it that far. And then the alarms will sound and the information will be directed back down into our brainstream where we move into reflexive. one of the four F responses, fight, flight, freeze, fawn. These things are below the level of our consciousness. They, they happen in a reflexive way, like the same way that you might scratch an itch or, um, move into a certain body posture. It's all, you know, you don't make a decision to do that. You just do it. And then it often, the way that we feel inside our internal state starts to change our thoughts and change our, even how we see the world, the filtering system that we're viewing the world with really changes when we're activated, when we're in an emotional flashback or we're in a trauma response. And I'm like, there's actually a different reality that I'm experiencing because different information is making it up to my frontal lobe, to my higher order thinking systems based on what my brain thinks is most important for me to stay safe. So if I'm really viewing the world through a lens of threat, I'm seeing all the things that are threatening and the things that are not threatening are not making it to my conscious awareness. And so the way the world looks changes, the way people's faces look, the their body posture, the light, the everything changes when we're triggered into one of these flashbacks. And so it's very difficult to just cognitively override this stuff because it's happening in so many parts of ourselves that we might not even be aware of. You know, so this this question comes to mind. Um, most of the time, I'm I'm talking and I'm asking questions specifically for my listener. But if you could imagine that everyone listening is married to somebody who has their own trauma, who's been diagnosed or not diagnosed, but has some form of mental. Um, mental illness, neurodivergence, um, struggling with alcoholism, addiction. I, I, I want you to, I know you just spoke about that person's reaction too, but I think that there's this judgment that it's easy to have when we're in relationship or married to and raising children with somebody who's um, often disordered. And, and, And so can you speak a little bit to that skewed view that they have? And it's almost like we both have these skewed lenses on and we're both interacting with non-reality is what I hear you saying. But if you could put it in your words so that our listeners can gain a better understanding of both themselves and their ex and and maybe, dare I say, find a little bit of um, compassion for the entire situation. You've been listening to our podcast, Getting Educated regulating your emotional reactions and it's been really helpful yet you know you could do better be better and you're wanting and needing more support that's where our coaching service is a game changer 
We're here for you when you need us the most, ensuring you have all the tools and resources at your fingertips, guiding and supporting you to be more effective. Our free rapid relief call helps you gain a broader perspective, commit to your best next steps, and determine what coaching support is right for you. Visit rapidreliefcall.com to book your call today. this saying that like we all do the best that we can at the level of our nervous system. And if we're stuck in a survival protective state of dysregulation, it's very, very difficult. All of our fuel, all of our activation is going to the parts of our brain that are geared toward protecting us and keeping us alive because social threat is as real a threat as a physical threat in terms of how our body and our nervous system respond to it. So if we've had a lot of, a lot of neglect in our childhood or abandonment, or we didn't have a environment where it was safe to express your emotions and you couldn't, you didn't learn how to regulate your emotions or the processes that the body naturally uses to regulate emotions like crying or movement were, you know, punished or uh, ignored. Your brain becomes very hypervigilant to, to finding that threat in life moving forward. And you're always looking out for ways in which your social connections are going to be severed or in which you're going to be hurt emotionally, um, abandoned, neglected, rejected. Um, and so from that lens, it's almost impossible to also stay in our higher order thinking systems where we can have empathy, where we can be creative, where we can be connected. And so the first thing is, people have to have a foundation of being able to regulate and create safety inside of themselves. And when they don't have that, it's like, and I, I can speak to this because I, I was that person. I spent much of my, I, you know, I've been diagnosed with mental health disorders, borderline personality, bipolar, all the things, um, through my adolescence and early twenties. And it was like, I was just running around through the world in chaos because it was chaos inside the state of my nervous system was internal chaos and, and relationships become one of the most triggering things to increase that internal chaos and, and drive behavior in a really erratic way. And so without tools to create that foundation of safety, to regulate ourselves, to process the stress, we're just driven in that survival state. And it's just, it's really hard to change your behavior without a way to come down out of that place. You know, so, so often we'll talk to our clients about um, slowing things down, becoming mindful, starting to experience, um, you know, meditation in like little three minute, five minute, seven minute clips. Um, but even that requires something that they may not have is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, definitely. So, um, 
I first realized this about meditation. Actually, in my my previous relationship, I was in a relationship with someone who had a lot of complex trauma, like I do, uh, high A score, and um, and he ended up getting really sick. He ended up developing cancer around his heart, um, very rare form of cancer. And then after the surgery, developed uh, pericarditis, and so his heart his heart rate would go up really high, and it was very dangerous when that happened. And um, one of the things that doctors would tell us to do is to start meditating. And he had to literally wear a heart rate monitor while he was sitting down to meditate. And his heart rate would shoot through the roof whenever we sat down, even for like a minute and tried to focus on breath or internal sensations, especially if he closed his eyes. And, you know, I was already in the world of neuro. I had all of this information and I I was very curious, what is going on here? Why is this happening? Why is meditation you know, dysregulating his nervous system and increasing his heart rate. And I started doing a bunch of research and I learned that's very common experience. And often meditation can push people with complex trauma, especially, but all kinds of trauma. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that is, but into emotional flashbacks, into dysregulated states, because it doesn't feel safe to feel the sensations in your body. If you've been living in a dissociated state for a long time, it doesn't feel safe to sit still. It doesn't feel safe to close your eyes. There's so many things that have to be worked with first to, to make these components of meditation safe for the nervous system and the body before that necessarily is something that will um, lead people to the results that they want to get from a meditation practice. Wow. So the, before we get to the drills, which I'm dying to ask about, um, let's talk a little bit about the difference between trauma and complex trauma, just so that we know what you're talking about. Yeah. So complex trauma is usually happens during development, um, or, or, in a prolonged time of chronic stress where there's not escape. So you could also think of it as a long-term domestic abuse situation um, where you have a connection to your abuser, um, um, a deep social connection to your abuser. Um, trauma, as we know, is it's not what happens. It's our body's response to what happens. It's really the protective patterns that we develop inside of our body as a response to an event. That's the trauma. It's the activation that occurs now when something reminds me of that or when I am doing anything that increases my stress load and it creates that same pattern. And so, you know, the wait a second, I just hold on a second. I just, I, I think that that's a really important point and I just want to be clear on understanding that. So I have a traumatic event in my past, which is different from the trauma or the trauma reaction. I just, I think this is important. So I want to understand what you're saying here. The traumatic event would be like the event that caused the pattern to happen in the first place, right? It's the thing that that stays in you. But the trauma itself is your body's reaction. Trauma is, it's not the event, but it's the way that our nervous system and our brain and our body now respond to stimulus because of that event. 
right? So when things, the trauma, the trauma lives inside of us and trauma happens in the, in the now it's trauma lives in the present, in the survival mind. And it is happening in this moment. It's the way that my body is reshaped to respond to the world, either through a lens of, of protection and activation and dysregulation or through regulation, safety, and groundedness. So would you say that the the traumatic event leads to like a patterning of the way that the body responds? And so the trauma is always present because that pattern activates and and then what you've done, That's right. you do and you do and you do. That's exactly right. Yep. And so it can be like a big T trauma event that is something very um, catastrophic, life threatening, or, um, you know, that your, your body and your brain really pay attention to, and it makes a big imprint, a big pattern because it was such a big life threatening event, but it can also be a series of little T traumas. It can be emotional abuse over time. It can be emotional neglect over time, you know, death by like a thousand paper cuts where that pattern is still getting put into your body and your brain, even though there's not one big event, it's any high stress situation that is going on for a long time that changes our nervous system's ability to, to regulate. And then you're hanging out on the couch with your boyfriend and he looks at his phone and your body goes into something that's completely out of proportion to what's happening. And in that way, that, little t series of traumas of my childhood lives in the present. It's with me on the couch because I'm experiencing it in my body in that moment. So, okay. I want to get into the drills, but the, the, the last kind of big picture question I want to ask you is, um, can this pattern be cleared, changed, healed, or, or so, so yeah. So do the drills uh, give you a tool for when the pattern arises or do they, does it give you a tool for when the pattern arises and an ability to tamp down or disappear the pattern? That's both. It, it does both. And so, yes, it can be repatterned. We just have to know how to work with the nervous system to, you know, trauma resolution really is not about going back to the past all the time. In fact, a lot of times, if you're working with people who have a lot of trauma, revisiting the past over and over again, as I'm sure you have witnessed, can actually make it worse, right? We can be making that pattern a more well-worn path in the brain. We can be experiencing stronger protective outputs by revisiting all the time. It's really about looking at what activates me in the present moment, what creates an output of my nervous system that I want to change, and then using intentional stimulus for my nervous system, speaking the language of the nervous system to the nervous system to help me calm, regulate, respond differently. And the more I do that, the more I can re-regulate, calm and respond 
I have a new experience. There's new neural pathways that are starting to get myelinated, right? They're becoming activated, new neurons are wiring together. And I'm having a new experience with intimacy. I'm having a new experience with a difficult conversation, with setting a boundary. And then I do that another time and another time and another time. And my brain and my nervous system start to learn, it's safe to do this. You can do this. And there's a different reaction inside of the body the more I have those new experiences and not just by suppressing the reactions that are going on inside of my body, like not just powering through it, but actually changing how it feels inside of my body when I'm doing it through intentional stimulus. Well, that sounds pretty cool. It's so life changing. So I, you know, I, um, I work with your business partner, Margie. And uh, so she taught us a couple of drills in a mastermind group that I was in. And I had something came up and I just got so triggered and it was a business thing. And I had to deal with it in a more professional way than I was feeling at the moment. And it was really the first time where in the moment I was like, oh, wait a second, you have a tool. And I did a couple of these very basic drills because that's all I was taught were some basic ones. And it was the most amazing thing because I got triggered and like moments later, I was calm, clear, focused and able to engage with it, which really blew me away. It's really wild when you experience it and you're like, oh my God, this really works. I really feel different. And it's sometimes it's so simple and fast, but it's, it's really just understanding that change at the level of our nervous system is instantaneous and that our nervous system is always reacting lightning fast to the information that's coming in. So if I can find tools, drills that, you know, give certain cranial nerves stimulus or my vagus nerve stimulus or that change my respiration or that give input to my visual system that my nervous system needs and likes that activate certain areas of my brain that I want to come online, that get the fuel and the activation going back up to my frontal lobe, then I can suddenly be able to do something that was very triggering and that had a traditionally a completely different output. And I can start to change that. I mean, when I used to podcast, I used to dissociate every single time I did a podcast because, and I'm really, I'm passionate about this message. I want to get my work out into the world, but I would, it, it's also vulnerable. I'm talking about a lot of stuff. I'm putting out new ideas. You know, I don't know if people are going to like it. And I would just check out about halfway through the podcast. And then afterwards I would find myself re-regulating through like binge eating, or I would be shut down with a migraine, or I would, you know, be out for the weekend. And so now I have a practice of using my neuro tools before I do a podcast, after I do a podcast to discharge some of the stress. And now I can be here with you. I can talk, I can stay present and, and I don't have to go down that well-worn path or experience the outputs that I don't want to afterwards. Right. So this must take hours to, to do drills um, is what people are probably thinking. Like, what is this, yeah. a workout I have to add to my every day? I have so much going on. I'm going through a divorce. I got a bunch of kids running around. I have no time for this. And yeah. this is the part I love. So talk to them about what it yeah. takes to it do a drill. It definitely does not take hours. It takes 
maybe a couple minutes here and there throughout the day. Um, so the most important thing is that you're consistent with it. And most of the people who come in to work with me are already overwhelmed, just like your clients, right? And we're the, the threat bucket, the stress level is at max capacity. And there's no way that they're going to have the bandwidth to take on, um, you know, a whole nother 30 minute to an hour practice a day. Um, so I tell people to start really, really small. The brain likes wins that creates more dopamine, which is your motivation chemical. So start with something that's so small that you can't possibly mess it up 30 seconds a day of doing one neuro drill that your brain and body respond well to and weave it into something that you already do. So like I do a couple drills in the morning when I'm making my coffee, that's a, like a solid routine for me. And so I just plug my drills into a routine I already have. I have clients that do it in the shower or when they're brushing their teeth. Um, and then they do some more drills before bed, same thing. They just weave it into a routine that they already have. And then as you have more capacity and you're starting to feel more resilient, you can start to put it around things that are difficult for you, difficult conversations, tasks where you want to perform well. You'll start to feel when you're dysregulated and you can use your drills like you felt when you were triggered and you were like, oh, let me try this. Let me do some drills. So you'll start to understand enough to do that. And then, you know, you eventually I have people work up to doing about 20 minutes a day, but never all at once spread out throughout the day, a minute or two here, a minute or two here as needed. And that's really the most, that's like what my superstar go-getter clients are doing. It would really never be more than that. So can you describe a drill so that um, we can take this from concept to what the heck is a drill? Yeah. So one of the really simple ones to do that people could even do if they're listening to this while they're driving is a tongue circle. So there's a bunch of cranial nerves that innervate our tongues. So you're actually giving some important cranial nerves, some stimulus, especially your vagus nerve. Probably a lot of people have heard about that guy. It's very popular right now. And um, it helps your body get some important stimulus and come into a little bit more of a calm and response state for most people. However, when we're working with the nervous system, everybody is unique and different. So you always need to assess and reassess and make sure that it works well for your body. So you can test a range of motion, like just turn your head side to side, see how far you can see out of the corner of your eye. You could, you know, test the rotation of your shoulder. If our nervous system responds positively to something, it'll give us more range of motion because it feels safer and it trusts us to make better quality movement. So you can always use range of motion to see how your nervous system responds to something. So you'll test your range of motion and then you're going to take your tongue over your teeth and under your lips and make some big, slow circles, trying to touch a further back molar each time and do about five directions one way and then five circles in the other direction. Just tracing over the teeth, feeling the sensations, going a little further back each time. Good. Yeah. And keeping the mouth closed as you go and making sure you're still breathing. And then after you've done that, take a breath, take a nice, long, slow exhale, give the nervous system a beat just to 
adapt and let that settle in and then retest your range of motion, turning your head side to side. See if you can go a little further. Also just notice internally. Do you feel any different? Maybe your vocal tone drops. That's a great indicator that your nervous system responded positively. You can even use your vision. We can see clearer. We know that our nervous system is responding positively to the stimulus that we're providing. So it's just a little bit of stimulus for the system and then assessing how that affects your unique nervous system so that you're building this toolkit of stimulus that your nervous system likes. I just find that so fascinating. Um, and I, I've done this, I've done this numerous times and um, the range of motion is mind boggling after two or three, what, 10, 15 second drills. Um, I've seen such a significant um, flexibility or range of motion. And what you're saying is when you have that, when you have more range of motion, say again, what that tells you about the body's yeah. response. I'm glad you asked this because it's really important because it's sometimes hard to connect the dots to like, yeah, okay. So I have more range of motion through my shoulder. How is this going to affect my relationship? Right, um, right. <laughs> and so the way the nervous system works is we're either in a protective mode or what we call a performance mode. Um, protective mode is you have more tension in your muscles your brain is limiting your range of motion. You have decreased vocal abilities and you're also more likely to move into a reflexive protective trauma response like fight, flight, freeze, because your stress level is high and your, your nervous system and brain don't feel safe. And so they're really geared toward um, toward protection, toward all of that constriction and bracing. And then we have a performance mode, which is when your nervous system feels safe, it's regulated, and it is, you have more range of motion through your joints, unless you're hypermobile. That's a whole nother story. We could talk about that. Um, you have more range of motion through your joints. You can, you are stronger. So you could test it with an exercise. Your vocal range is greater. Um, you are able to take deeper, fuller breaths, and you're less likely to be activated into a stress response because you have more capacity in the system. It's operating at a, at a different baseline level of regulation, and it can handle more without producing a protective stress output. So the more I frequently give my nervous system stimulus that it needs, and I'm continuing to create that regulation throughout the day, the more that regulated state is becoming my baseline way of being. And so I'm continuing to reduce the stress and it builds back up and I reduce it and it builds back up and I reduce it so that over time, I'm just somebody operating at a different level of stress inside my body. And then I, again, I have more capacity to handle relational stress, work stress, financial stress without that same big protective output, because my baseline level of stress is lower on a second by second basis. That, you know, I'm I'm liking it, it uh, likening it as I'm listening to you to working out and building muscle. Um, and so the stronger, the more I do the neuro drills, the the stronger the um, influence on my patterns changing. 
That's right. There's really two ways to use neurodrills. And one is like in the moment when you're triggered, when you're activated, when you feel your uh, threat level escalating, you start to recognize those little patterns that you might have. Like I'm moving into a dysregulated state. Maybe your mouth dries out or you feel a little bit of pain, or you can tell that you're clenching your jaw. Like before you're in a full blown reactive state, you can look for those little signals and then interrupt it with some stimulus that your nervous system likes that helps your brain function better. Your nervous system be more regulated and kind of come down out of that heightened state before you go all the way to there. And that's what we would call like a rescue, rescue drill, rescue tool. And then you also use the tools to daily train your nervous system, right? And like that was talking about that morning practice, weaving it into the habits that you already have so that you're constantly helping to improve the function of your nervous system, the inputs, improving your eyes, improving the balance system in your inner ear, improving your brain's understanding of where your body is in space, making it possible to feel the sensations inside of your body, just this regular training of the nervous system, like a daily nervous system hygiene practice that then allows you to be in a different state as you move through the world and have more capacity to handle stress and positively adapt to that stress, which is resilience. So, you know, one of the things uh, as you're speaking, it seems as though it's such a it's a practice that invites um, a new level of presence and awareness, too. It is the thing that has made it possible for me to be present. I would say most of my life I lived in a dissociated state. I didn't think I did. I taught mindful movement. I was like a mind body practitioner. But when it came to like my real life, I was dissociated, especially in my relationships, especially in moments of intimacy. Um, I just checked out. I checked out of my body from an early age and I was not coming back. And little by little, as I've trained myself to be safe, feeling the sensations in my body and then being present when I'm doing my neuro drills, right? Because you're right. That requires a certain amount of curiosity and presence and being, you know, understanding, does my body like this? Does my nervous system respond well? You know, now it's possible for me to, to be embodied, to feel sun and wind and have a conversation and actually respond to the other person, not just go into like a scripted performance where I'm really above myself in the corner. <laughs> and so it's, yeah, I would say that is, that's, that's the reason that I do this work because I want to live a present life. That's the greatest mm. gift that it's given me. Beautiful. So let's get down to brass tacks here. Um, if it only takes minutes a day and it's this whole big scientific, how your brain and your body and your nervous system work, um, you seem to have found a way to, to um, condense all of this into almost like snippets that people can learn from. So I know you have uh, a membership site. Tell our listeners a little bit about um, the many different ways, if there are many different ways, the various ways that they can um, learn about this, uh, sample it, what, whatever yeah. that looks like. 
So freeneurotrial.com is where you can go to the website and you can get two free weeks on the membership site. And I'm on there regularly live. So are my facilitators and we, we get together in community and we train our nervous system so that you can keep finding different neurosomatic tools that work well for your nervous system. And you can weave it into a daily practice, but also, you know, I've found that one of the things I, I've been working in applied neuro since 2015, and I will find tools for people that, you know, all of a sudden they get out of pain or they have massive breakthroughs in, you know, chronic fatigue or migraine. And then I'll see them later and I'll be like, have you been doing your drills? And they're like, no. <laughs> and so I'm like, why, how? But it's just, it's one of those things that new habits are hard to bake in and it's a whole new thing. You know, I wish we had more hygiene practices besides just brushing our teeth and washing our face, but we're not there yet. And getting together in community and doing this work where you can ask questions, you can see how other people are responding. You can be with other growth oriented people. It makes it a lot more fun. And then it also is continuing to give your brain novel stimulus and allowing you to keep progressing your practice so your nervous system can continue to become more and more resilient. And so that's all at just freeneurotrial.com. And my understanding is, so if I wanted to grab something, uh, are are they videos? Is it, mm -hmm. so you're saying you have your live thing. So if, if every morning I want to Go ahead. But they're always recorded and they're put up onto the on-demand library the next day. And then you can go into the on-demand library whenever you want. And you could search for a class on, you know, we have neuro shorties, which are like little 10 minute classes. So you could do a 10 minute class on stress reduction, or you could do a 10 minute class on your respiration, or you could do a 10 minute class for migraine or a 10 minute class for boundary setting or whatever it is that you want that day to focus on. You can just search for it there in the library and, uh, you know, do it whenever it works for your schedule. And the class, every single class is going to give you some drills um, to uh, to work with yep. for whatever we that always focus do, is. Always do drills. And some of the classes also have like emotional processing for more emotional regulation and resilience and learning somatic practices to move emotions through the body so we don't get stuck there. But they always have drills and then sometimes emotional processing too, if you're up for it that day. Beautiful. So what haven't I asked you that I should have? Um, gosh, I feel like we, I mean, I feel like we covered so much ground and this is a topic that I could talk about forever. Um, so I mean, yeah, I, I would just encourage people. I, I know what it's like to play out the same relational patterns over and over again. And I've also lived how harmful that can be to your health. There is a real connection between our relationship patterns, our internal state of being our nervous system health and disease states in the body. Like I told you, my, you know, my, I was, I was the caretaker for my partner who developed that rare cancer around his heart. And I deeply believe it had everything to do with nervous system dysregulation and intimacy. And so there is like hope of repatterning those behaviors because we're neuroplastic. 
because our nervous system is always changing and adapting to the stimulus that we put in. We just have to know how to work with it. So you, you don't have to keep going through the same patterns over and over and over again. And it, it doesn't have to involve reliving the past. You can find new ways to work with the system to repattern and your body and your nervous system will thank you for that. Joe and their spouse always seemed to be fighting, but nothing was ever resolved. Their spouse would constantly blame them, unwilling to take any responsibility. Joe lived in the tension of walking on eggshells, doubting themselves, and over time, they became unhinged, angry, and triggered, struggling further with shame and self-condemnation. Their reactivity was used as proof that they were the problem. If you're in a relationship or marriage filled with conflict and blame, and you're wondering, is this normal or could it be toxic? Take the quiz and find out how toxic your relationship is. Go to journeybeyonddivorce.com backslash toxic quiz and find out today. Your gift to our listeners is a two week free trial. And can you, it's in the show notes, but can you just spell it out for people? So it's free. Free neurotrial.com. So free F R E E N E U R O T R A I L neurotrial.com. <laughs> I'm testing your spelling. <laughs> I, I wasn't sure that neuro. I always switch the U and the E. So uh, I do too. I do too. I'm like, well, let me, yes, it's okay. I'm going to say it one more time. It's F R E E N E U R O T R I A L.com. Yeah. And it's in the show notes. Um, uh, how else can people find you? Um, if you're a coach or a practitioner and you're looking to weave these tools into your own training to have a way to work with people's nervous systems, you can also find out more about our coaching certification at neurosomaticintelligence.com. And we are enrolling this fall for another cohort. And it is uh, a really, really wonderful community of forward thinking growth-oriented practitioners of all types, therapists, coaches, um, healers of various modalities. And it's a really, it's a really great experience. Yeah. I've heard wonderful things about it. Thank you so much for what you do and how you've chosen to help heal the world one person at a time, because it's so needed and it's such a so it's just so amazing what you do. So thank you for that. Thank you for coming on and chatting with me and the listeners. Uh, really, this has been so informative and encouraging. It is my pleasure. Thank you for the work that you do it is also so very needed in the world. And it is really fun to be here. And please, everyone, uh, 
sign up for two free weeks and and do some neuro drills and see the changes that it it has in you. And Elizabeth, thank you so much. Um, We will be back again real soon with another episode of Divorce Trauma Recovery. Until then, you guys take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on the Journey Beyond Divorce podcast. I hope you found guidance and encouragement to help you along your journey. If you like my podcast, please take a minute to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. You can also visit us at jbddivorcesupport.com, where our team of coaches support both men and women through our one-on-one coaching, group programs, online courses, and free resources. Stay tuned for our next episode, and I'll talk to you soon.